tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Legal discussion on tip today is brought to you in association with Lynch Solicitors Clan Mel on the web at lynchsolicitors.ie and at divorceinireland.com. John Lynch from Lynch Solicitors is with me in studio. Morning to you, John. Good morning. And Frank, good very to see disappointed you today. I'm not in your mobile unit. I was so looking forward to it. Indeed, and we could have got you looked at as well. Yeah. The oh, osteopath yeah. was waiting for you. Oh, I've had to, There's absolutely nothing you could do with me. I <laughs> Are you beyond the beyond? I'm beyond. I'm. I'm yeah, irredeemable. I, I doubt that somehow. Mm. Now. Um, you're going to go back uh, just because we left one case that we didn't speak we about. We did, last yeah. Uh, Mac, I don't know how do you describe or how you pronounce it. Mac Winnie, I think, versus Cork County Council. It's an interesting one because when you're looking at uh, occupiers' liability, employers' liability, um, you're often dealing with a situation where you have. Uh, legislation that governs it. So mm. you have, you know, as when you're looking at law, you have what they call the common law, and then you have uh, constitutional law, you have criminal law. But in terms of a source of law, you also have a fairly significant source of law in legislation. And sometimes they'll, they will overlap. So and one of the areas that, that you do get overlapping is what, what, what would be termed a breach of statutory duty and a common law duty. So, for example, uh, if, you ha- if you're an employee and you have an accident at work, you could have a common law duty in negligence. And negligence is probably the most common and popular ones insofar as it all started with the famous case of O'Donoghue and Stevenson, the little girl who uh, drank the bottle of, wouldn't have been coke then, I don't know what they would have called it, and there was a snail in snail it, etc. Et yeah. So it was, it, it established a, a principle of negligence called, based on the neighbour principle, so like the good neighbour, if, 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 uh, if you suffer an injury and you can say, well, if you were being a good neighbour, I wouldn't have suffered that injury kind of thing. That was the general gist of the common law duty of negligence. And the same principle will find its way into almost any action uh, in what we call tort, which is kind of a civil claim. And so therefore, if you're an employee and you have an accident, uh, you kind of look to the employer to say, well, if, if that employer was acting as a good neighbour, would this have happened? But you also have a whole raft of legislation governing employer responsibilities and they actually date back to oh, quite a number they date back to legislation that was passed uh, in the uh, industrial revolution in 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 uh, in uh, England uh, where you were dealing with factories so you had the factories act in Ireland which was passed in 1955 then you had also the Mines and Quarries Act, because there would have been a lot of mining at the time. Mm. So you would have had that. Then, lo and behold, you had the new uh, age of offices and uh, all sorts of uh, service industry uh, areas. So that you have the Office Premises Act in 1958. So they were all in the 50s, uh, 60s, was all that legislation. And it all came from the UK. 
And they were very specific pieces of legislation. So in a factory, there were obligations to make sure that, you know, if a machine was running, that there was a guard on it, etc. So that if there was a place of work, that there was proper exits and there was proper entrances, mm. etc. So fairly, very, but very specific statute based. They weren't based on this neighbour principle. They were much more specific. But then along comes the Safety, Health and Welfare at Work Act. And we're all fairly familiar with that in the modern kind of um, context because the self, all of this safety, people often say, oh, there's too much safety. We had the Health and Safety Authority was established. And this was all in 1989, as recent in 1989, and updated again in 2005. And, and then you would have had very, very... Uh, detailed regulations that would have come out of that. So that's, if you come back to the basic thing I was talking about, if you're an employee or if you're some, somebody uh, who's doing work, you know, it's it's broader than just an employee. You could be somebody who's just doing work uh, for somebody. Mm. So you might be a subcontractor, for yeah. example. And in those circumstances, you have kind of two options. And they're often done together. So you would often take an action in negligence, but you would also take an action for breach of statutory duty. So the breach of statutory duty is the health and safety of work legislation. Now, there was a lot of debate. I remember when the 89 Act came out and uh, when I was studying it at the time, I remember there was a whole issue about whether or not you could take a civil action as a result of this piece of legislation because it was a significant body of legislation and very, very specific. So you'd be down to, you know, literally how you deal with electricity, for example, what kind of warnings you might give. You know, if you were, if you had a, a, what they called a VDU, a visual display unit, um, which we now all call a screen, but if you had a visual display unit, how... You would position it, what kind of distance you'd have, you'd have, you know, so there was a very, very detailed. So the question, obviously, from a legal perspective that I would have asked was, well, can I sue on it? If, if, if I find, and the big one was there was a safety statement as well, and the safety statement was the kind of cornerstone of the whole uh, safety of work legislation, because right in the heart of the safety statement is a risk assessment. So the logic of it is that this is a piece of legislation that says that as an employer, if you take the room that we're in now, somebody as an employer has an obligation under the health and safety uh, directive to you as an employee to to check where the risks are. So in other words, they do a risk assessment. They look around, they say, oh, there's a cable running across the floor behind you there, which there isn't, just in case your <laughs> listeners think there is. But there's a cable running yes. across the floor there. It's uncovered. It's uncovered. It could be a risk assessment. You know, there's a there's a bulb hanging out of the ceiling and it's it's not properly secured, etc., etc. So the whole cornerstone of the legislation was a, was a risk ass- assessment followed by a safety statement. So not only would you have to carry out a risk assessment, and we all as employers, if you're an employer, you're obligated to do this. Mm. So you you do a risk assessment, but a risk assessment of its own is of very little value if you don't do something about it. So the follow-up to that is a safety statement. But just go back to what I was saying. The, The question that I had in 1989 was, can I sue on foot of it? And the legislation actually said in section... I. Somebody will correct me now, but I think it's either 60 or 80, basically said that under the 89 Act that you that it wasn't creating new law in terms of new common law. So you it, it kind of 
it fuzzed it as to whether you could or could not take an action under the Act. But the, the 2005 Act removed that and the 2005 Act actually actually uh, dealt with the situation that you could take uh, an action specifically on foot of a breach of statutory duty. Now, you might ask me, well, so what? Like, what difference does it make? I mean, if you can do it under negligence, you know, who cares? If you mm. can go for one, you know, why wouldn't you go for another? And funnily, as, as, a, as a practitioner of law, you know, even after all this length of time, when I looked at a case which came, which I read, and this is where we started with this, when I looked at this Ian McWinney case versus Cork County Council, I was, again, it, it revisited in my head, okay, so what? Like, why? Why would I go for a breach of statute of duty when I can go for this broad principle of the neighbour principle? And uh, to a certain extent, David Barneville, who's the judge, giving the judgment, gave me a little bit of a steer on it. Because, first of all, he said that you can sue under the legislation. Second of all, he said that in this particular case, and I'll give you a kind of a rundown on the facts of it in a minute, but in this particular case, he found that there was a breach of two, three specific sections under the legislation. So he didn't look at the common law principle at all. He was quite happy to look at the the, uh, the statutory principles. Yeah. And he said, OK, I'm looking at the Act. OK, so what does the Act say? The Act says, number one, you have to make sure that it's a reasonably safe work environment for people who are working in it, not not just employees, but people who are working in it. And that's relevant to the case mm. as well. And I'll, I'll give you the facts. Maybe I should have given you the facts first, but anyway, I'll give you the facts second. Mm. I might give you a prize if you can guess them, but anyway. The, the, well, I'm presuming he was a subcontractor of yeah, some kind, exactly. was he? Well it? done. Okay, yeah. that's... that's, that's uh, I don't know what prize I'll give you. <laughs> a free will. <laughs> but... He was, yeah. yeah. Uh, he was. It was an unusual one, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that now in a second. But the other thing that they found was that there was no risk assessment done. There was no evidence of risk assessment done at all. And secondly, there was no safety statement. So there were three very specific breaches. Right. And, and, and you're going to have to give us more information because it, was will, this on a particular job? Yes, I'll tell you what happened, or I'll tell you what it was about. The man who's taken the case worked on the oil rigs. Okay. And when he worked, when he didn't work on the oil rigs, you know the way they're three weeks on, yeah. three weeks off. Mm. On his three weeks off, being a very industrious fella, he used to do work. Uh, I was going to say Nixers, but they're hardly Nixers. I mean, this one was with uh, Cork City County Council, so one has to assume that he would have, you know, it wouldn't be, uh, it would be one where he'd be paying his tax. But the circumstances of this was that he was called in by Cork County Council and when he was called in by Cork County Council he was asked to fix a shutter on a fire engine. Mm. The door was was uh, faulty and that was, he was a fitter and so he came in and he parked his truck, his, his work van in one of the bays that the fire engine would be parked in. And there was, I mean, it's always interesting when you read these judgments because there was a lot of detail about mm. the fact that he asked Joe Bloggs, could he do it? And then he met the supervisor and he asked if he could do it. You know, then there was a lot of talk about the fact that I wasn't just parking it there. Mm. You know, he got permission. I was allowed yep. to park it there. Mm. Not that that had any relevance to the cause of it. Well, it might have had a relevance, but we were, we mm. were, he was just covering his bases on it. But anyway, 
When he went to uh, get, he was he was going to get a wrench. I'll call it a wrench. I'm I'm very familiar with these things. I'm sure, but I'm not. But he was going to get something or other in the back of his van. So just picture this, right? He has the van parked in the bay. He opens the sliding door. I'm thinking he gets into the van and he's ferreting around looking for the wrench that he wants. Okay, so he's gone in head first into the van. So get the picture. He's gone into the van, right? He finds the wrench and the judge describes this all in detail and he's reversing out and the judge points out that he doesn't, he has the wrench in his left hand and the, the judge, or on his right hand, I'm not sure which, but he has, he, has the judge in, he has the judge in one hand, he has the wrench in one hand and he's reversing out of the van and the judge points out that he doesn't use his right hand to in any way secure his position as he's reversing out of the out van. Of the van yes. Now, you know, anyway, so I see this fella kind of going backwards, reversing back out of the van. When he reverses back out of the van, what he doesn't uh, realise, uh, maybe, or what he doesn't remember, or maybe he didn't know, I don't know, when he stepped out onto the surface, there was a gully, and the gully uh, had a slope in it, you know, those, mm. you know, in the in the bay. And of course, he f- he fell as a result of that, and broke his wrist. Right. So, so he sued the Cork City Council, and he sued them on the basis of a statutory breach. And the statutory breach was that they didn't carry out a risk assessment on this area, they didn't do a safety statement on it, and the workplace was unsafe. So, and it was unsafe, and there was a huge amount of evidence about the depth of the hole, etc., etc. But in fact, the engineer for the local authority conceded uh, that it was also very interesting, really, because there was an argument about what could they have done in terms of this gully mm. to warn them about it. And uh, even though the regulations didn't cover it, the judge came up with, well, they could have had it at different shadings, and you could have seen it, etc., etc. But anyway. To, to make a long story short, the judgment is very precise about one thing, and that is the difference between proving a case for uh, statutory breach and uh, a case in negligence, okay? So if we come back to first principles on this, I'm taking my case, be it an em- whether it's a subcontractor or an employee, but in the case of an employee, for example, if I'm if I'm taking my case in negligence, I the courts are always very careful to say that an employer is not an insurer. In other words, that you don't have to cover every single risk. Yes. That what you do is you look to the specifics of the situation. So you look to what are the work what is the work environment, you know. What is reasonable in all the circumstances of this particular case? And you look at the employer and you look at the employee and you look at all those Mm. things and whatever is reasonable is okay. As with all good cliffhangers, will you let us take a break? (laughs) and We'll let you know what happened uh, with that case in just uh, a few moments. (laughs) 
Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Welcome back. John Lynch from Lynch Solicitors and Clanmel still with me in studio. So your man backed out of the van. He put slipped in the gully and he sued. Yeah, and the court found that the gully was a hazard that under the strict uh, regime of civil liability under the legislation that they were in breach of the section of the legislation that said it was a risk that they should have uh, taken care to deal with. The court was satisfied that they could have dealt with it and the court found in favour of the plaintiff. Now, it's interesting because... Now, there's a couple of very interesting things. It's a well-worked judgment for people to look at. Ian McWhinney versus Cork County Council and it's 2018... IEHC 472 but if right. you if So that's you, up there if you want it's to It's up there if you yeah. want to read it you know yeah. but he also does a very good uh the judge as in from a legal you know, looking at the area very well you know he's very clear cut on it he says first of all you can sue under the legislation which was kind mm-hmm. of iffy maybe up to then uh secondly he clearly says if you're in breach of not doing a risk assessment and not doing a safety statement, which should send warning bells out to employers that you should do a risk assessment and you should have a safety statement and you should follow through on it. Mm-hmm. And the, the other thing as well is that it covers more than employees. It covers, as we, as we know, subcontractors in it. But he also does a very good, which I won't cover today now, but he also does a very good assessment of how to quantify the injury. So, in other words, how to put a figure on the injury. Mm. He, he sets out a very... Which yeah. I, might, I might actually... Because does he take into account... I mean, I put a word on it during the break that you didn't want me to use, but let, <laughs> let's go with your, your version, which is contributory he uh, does. negligence. Does he... Like, how responsible... Yeah, he does. He does, but he actually is able to sidestep it. Because contributory negligence is to do with the fact that how much responsibility should somebody take for an accident that they have in terms of the actions that that they are capable right. of controlling, i.e. their because own Because he must have stepped through the gully to get into the van in the first place. <clears throat> You're putting evidence <laughs> which which wasn't in, okay. so I don't know. Maybe you yeah. should have cross-examined him. But <laughs> the, the thing I'm saying to you, that the, the interesting thing about contributory negligence, and he doesn't address it, actually, and i tell you why he doesn't address it, which I thought was really interesting... The, the legal team for the person taking the case actually conceded contributory negligence. They actually said, we accept that we are in some way responsible for this, and they conceded 20%, and the judge assessed it at 25%, so he sidestepped the question of contributory negligence. Ah. But I know I'm going to be tight on time here, but the he didn't actually discuss it and it is something that I might discuss again the next time because there is a clear difference in a case taken under the principles of negligence i.e. common law versus statutory because in the case of common law it is much more uh, it, it comes into play or ought to come into play more than in the case of statutory duty and that's because the courts take the view that where the legis- legislature, uh, the doll, whatever, where they ta- where they legislate for something like this, that there's an onus on the court not to dilute it by introducing elements of contribution. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that maybe again, but just quickly, while I was looking at that 
and when I read that case last week, in this week came a case which I thought was really interesting, which illust- which I'll cover again with you the next time, but which was really interested in the interesting in the area of uh, employer employee relations because, uh, and I leave it as a teaser or I call it a cliffhanger if you like, but what was what was really interesting about it was that it was the president of the High Court, which is, you know, should be Mr. Top Gun in the High Court. He gave what we call an extempore judgment. In other words, he didn't give a written judgment. He just gave it, uh, he, he gave it verbally at the end of the case. It was a case where the uh, defendants, i.e. the people against whom the claim was taken, gave no evidence, absolutely zero evidence, They didn't look for the case to be struck out on the basis that it hadn't been made, which is one of the things that you could do. So, in other words, you come to the end of your case, sorry, the person who's taking the claim or making the claim finishes all their evidence and the other side go, here, judge, they haven't proven their case, I want you to throw it out. They didn't even ask for that in this particular instance, but the judge actually threw it out. And he threw it out and it was appealed to the Court of Appeal. And when it was appealed to the Court of Appeal, the Court of Appeal said, no, you got this wrong. Uh, You threw it out. You shouldn't have thrown it out because this is, in fact, an employer-employee common law negligence case where there are four principles that you look at provision for safety. So you have, you you should have as an employer, you should have competent staff. You should have a safe place of work you should have proper equipment and you should have a safe system of work. And in the in this particular instance, the court said that the judge should have been looking at whether there was or was not a safe system of work and he didn't. He said, oh, this is a case of bullying because there was five incidents of employees screaming at, and, and it said screaming at, uh, a supervisor and that the, the case that was that was being attempted to be made was bullying and the court the judge was kind of saying oh i don't i, I don't find any case of bullying in that it has to be it has to have a certain flavor mm, it must yeah. be systemic it must be whatever but the interesting thing which i leave you with is you you would just love to have been there to listen to the case to wonder and you wonder to yourself uh, as a lawyer sometimes when you're involved in cases you wonder to yourself did he just not like the plaintiff you know, did he just say, oh, I'm not going to give, because in the middle of it, in the middle of the case, there was a reference, and this is me absolutely speculating, but mm. in the middle of the case, one of the allegations, there was five allegations in all, and the, thir- the fourth or fifth allegation was, are you a member of the such and such a family? Was a was a kind of a an accusation that was tor- thrown against the plaintiff. Now, to such and such a family would be equivalent to the Kinahan gang or mm, something. Mm. It wasn't, but it would be equivalent. Of course, to yeah. it. And you just wonder, you wonder how much of that. But would that comment alone not have gotten the case struck out? No, 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 because you see, this was a comp- this was just narrating. All right, at the end of the case, what had been said. There were five complaints. Right. Sorry, there were five instances of what the High Court judge said was bullying. What the Court of Appeal said wasn't bullying. It was a, was a, an incorrect... They basically said, you should have dealt with this and you didn't as an employer. Uh, but the, the Court of Appeal actually found that there was negligence, even though normally the Court of Appeal won't substitute 
you know, the opinion of the High Court for the Court of Appeal won't make a determination. They'll normally send it back. But anyway, I might... It's very, it's might very interesting, isn't it? So there's a whole human aspect as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> to judgment. And so to will we be in the van the next next week? I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> we might well be. We might well be. Thanks very much indeed. That's uh, John Lynch from Lynch Solicitor.